1: There's many different players from many different faith communities, and I'm happy to make the acquaintance for the first time of the new director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, Reverend Dr. Gregory Seltz, who's my guest today. The Lutheran Center is a ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and they have a wonderful story about their unique involvement in religious liberty, and and
0: Dr. Seltz, if we may, I'd like to begin with that story. Oh, that'd be great, Alan. First of all, it's great to be with you, and it's great to make your acquaintance as well. Uh, we're in this fight together, that's for sure. Yeah, we were just talking about that story previously, and it's a story of the very first speaker of the Lutheran Hour. The Lutheran Hour was one of the longest-running gospel radio programs in Erica. At the height of its success, it uh, was the number two radio program in the country, and the Shadow was number one. And uh, in the early 40s, they tried to kick the Lutheran hour off the air because they said it it was too sectarian. It preached Jesus was, uh, you know, the Savior. And so they wanted that kind of sectarianism off the radio, at least a certain group did. And Walter Meyer, the very first speaker, defended the right, not just of the Lutheran hour to be on the radio, but all religious programming to be on the radio. He defended uh, that by using Jeffersonian freedom principles. Uh, to the FCC, and that was the seedbed of uh, an organization like, for instance, the National Religious Broadcasters. And we were heavily involved in those kinds of things early on in the 40s and in the 50s. Uh, a lot of people always ask me, they said, Pastor Suss, why would you ever leave the Lutheran Hour? Because I was the speaker. They said, why would you leave that to go to Washington, D.C.? And I, I began to realize it's because the liberty to actually and the freedom to actually proclaim the good news freely is under attack, especially again today. So you know, even in our heritage, uh, we've dabbled into D.C., if you will, and uh, we really do appreciate the First Amendment liberties we have in America. So we're joining the fight.
1: Well, you know, as we were saying before we began the show, uh, you know, Freedom's Ring. We're a Seventh Day Adventist ministry. We're Protestants, and we tremendously value the heritage of personal conscience, and you know that we're we stand before. God and give an answer to God alone in Christ for our faith. You know, the basic Protestant doctrines of sola scriptura and by faith alone, by grace alone, these are the foundations that lead us to value religious freedom, individual autonomy before God. So we very much owe a debt all the way back to Luther. And yet all of our Protestant denominations look at these issues of religious freedom from our unique doctrinal perspective. And I noticed one of the things on the website for the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty is this reference to the two kingdoms doctrine. And I wonder if you could take just a minute, because I think that's kind of at the foundation of your organizational philosophy of, of how you
0: approach government. Well, yeah, it is, because, you know, they tried to trap Jesus one time with a tax question, and he said those words, give to Caesar what is Caesar, and give to God what is God's. And what he was basically saying is God himself engages the world two different ways. He engages the world to preserve it, and that's usually what we would call the father's preservation work, but he also engages it to save it by sending his sons that all might be saved through his work. But he differentiates those two things. And if you think about even constitutional law and the differentiation between, we don't call it separation, we call it differentiation between, say, church and state, Lutherans then understand something, understand God's preserving work comes through, you know, the vocations of human beings. God is at work as they try to actually, you know, do the moral things that God has ordered into this world. We can't be saved by those works, but we can, God can preserve the world through those works. His saving work is something he has to do for the sake of all. So Lutherans then approach government with a particular view of what government can do. We don't think it can solve all the big problems of the world because human beings, no matter how smart, no matter how rich, no matter how powerful, are still broken, sinful people. So just that understanding of the limitation of government, the freedom of conscience, and how those are differentiated and how the founding fathers understood that, it flows from this two-kingdom perspective of God's preserving and God's saving work. And we try to make sure we differentiate that so that we don't mix those works. And so right now, my work in D.C. would be part of that preserving work, honoring God's ordering of the world so that all chaos doesn't break forth in our world. We actually have a very, we have a limited view of what government can finally accomplish when it comes to the big issues of life. And I think our founding sure. fathers did too. So let's try to bring that down now to a practical level. That's yeah.
1: kind of the philosophical foundation for, uh, for the Lutheran involvement in preserving religious freedom. Are there some particular issues or priorities that, uh, now, you know, you're new to this organization and the organization itself is only a couple of years old. You know, you can't work on everything. What are the the priorities?
0: Well, new to this organization, but I've been at work with this kind of stuff for about 30 years. So when I worked in New York City, I worked in South Central LA and Los Angeles. You have to get involved in the politics of things just to get things done to launch ministries. And that's where I really cut my teeth on this. But we as a church, when we talk about speaking with one voice on some of these what we call basement floor civility issues, you know when god is doing his preserving work we speak with one voice about issues like religious liberty and conscience sanctity of life because if if we don't fight for the sanctity of life what's the point of any of this and then the other two issues we fight for are um the abortion the pro life issue and uh uh the marriage as an institution and then the final one is educational freedom but those last two issues for us they're religious liberty issues So we don't want the government defining marriage for us, and we don't want the government defining education for us. We want the freedom to be able to do those things, too. So religious liberty, sanctity of life, those are the big ones, uh, because we believe that impacts every person, Christians and non. So are there any particular religious liberty issues that you're working on currently? Well, you know, the whole idea of the gender identity issues and the LGBT issues, the problem has come when the Supreme Court, through the ruling of Obergefell, the Supreme Court made, uh, marriage, especially gay marriage, it made it a constitutional right. Um, we Lutherans, we're saying, why did they get it? You know, the well, Constitution doesn't protect, uh, relationships. It protects individuals before law. And even the idea of a, a man and a woman relationship that we call marriage, the government's not granting us the right to that. It's actually limiting our rights and making us assign a contract called marriage because they don't want to raise our children. Um, that's their vested interest in this. So, you know, what What's happened now is the overreach of the Supreme Court on that is now throwing our country into this civil war. And we're actually trying to fight that back so that we can, you know, let people, you know, if people disagree with us and they want to live a different way. They have the freedom to do that. Um, but please don't bind our consciences and make us live a way that is unfaithful to Scripture. So we're fighting those kinds of issues in the educational system. We're fighting those kinds of issues in the adoption agency issues. We're fighting those kinds of issues all over the place. Um, and that's going to be a big issue, uh, not just this next year, but probably for the, the next generation.
1: Well, so let me ask you kind of the, the big picture. And, and uh, I'm, I'm conscious in, in asking it that as a lawyer, constantly asked about, you know, the outcome of cases. Are we going to right. win? What's going to happen? And I always have to say I don't have a crystal ball. You know, they right. gave me a license to practice law. They didn't give me some, you know, magic potion. Right. It does seem that the culture war here in America is going against Christian values and that the pendulum really is, it seems very difficult to slow down or somehow to reverse. How do you see, you know, 10 years, 15 years from now, you know, how do you see the outcome of this conflict between
0: religious liberty and gay rights. Well, you know, again, I don't have a crystal ball either. What I finally say to people is the positions we're trying to uh, establish, we're trying to be able to say, even to people who disagree with us, this is why we think this is right for both you and me. Um, so when Lutherans get involved in the public square, we realize that, you know, we're no different than anybody else. In fact, the Bible actually says we're all sinners in need of God's grace. So, you know, we are not people who are saying we understand things better than other folks do, but we are saying, when we fight for these things like religious liberty, religious conscience, we're actually fighting for those things for the sake of those we disagree with as well. In some of these cases, the government is actually establishing itself as the moral arbiter of these things where it has no business doing that. Now, for those who actually are happy that, you know, the government's siding with them at this particular moment, I hate to tell them, but the government can side can go the exact opposite way very quickly in a generation, too. And people don't understand that the founding fathers didn't want the government making these kind of decisions for the sake of individuals living out their lives. And so we're actually fighting. It's funny to me that we're the live and let live people.
1: Well, you mentioned live and let live, which is a phrase that I have used very often. And frankly, the legislative effort to to implement that uh, by the time the show airs may very well have been introduced into Congress, a, a measure called
0: fairness for all. Is that something that's on um, your organization's radar? Well, we're always obviously um, live and let live is something that allows us uh, to have multiple voices in the public square that can disagree with one another. Uh, There is a fairness doctrine right now that is anything but fair. Um, It actually is silencing voices. So we're always struggling with how words are being used. And and I'm not sure exactly how the wording is, is being used in that particular legislation. But we are trying to be a part of this discussion so that we can, you know, debate these kind of things. Because there is a male-femaleness to the, the way God created the world. And then there's a way that we relate to each other as male and female. And there's all kinds of issues about how that is. And we are the kind of folks who are saying we want to be a part of that. And we also want our tradition to be honored and protected by virtue of our conscience as well. And those are the kind of issues. I think some of these issues are going to expose themselves over time, too. Uh, we see that happening with the, the gender identity with athletics and things like that. And some of the things that are starting to happen there. Um, so, again, we just want to be part of that, vo- that voice, that that opportunity. We have a role to play in the culture. Um, but we want to honor God's ordering of the world for the sake of the world, not just for our own sake. So the fairness for all
1: to uh, kind of give our listeners a, an idea of what I've been talking about here is a recognition that we need to preserve The freedoms for our institutions, our religious colleges and schools, our adoption agencies, our social service organizations, uh, freedom to hire persons of our own faith, to express our values, especially when it comes to human relationship and marriage and this sort of thing, and not to be uh, run roughshod over by LGBT rights. But at the same time, recognizing that people should not be discriminated against when it comes to jobs or housing or obtaining services because of their sexual orientation. So that's an effort to implement Live and Let Live in a practical way that protects the freedom of our religious institutions, of our pastors, of our schools, uh, while at the same
0: time allowing freedom for others who, well, frankly, we disagree with. Right, and we were part of the, you know, the Hosanna Tabor case uh, for the Supreme Court. That was one of our schools, so we're definitely involved in this, and we've got 2,000 schools, we've got eight universities, and a whole bunch of churches. So, um, we're going to be part of that discussion for sure.
1: Well, yes, the Lutheran Church is the largest Protestant school system in America. I know this because Seventh-day Adventists are right behind you, but globally, <laughs> I think we have a few more. And you know, it's kind of, but those are major commitments of of both of our our ministries. We see education you know, and raising children to, to be faithful and, and to love Jesus as so essential in preserving the freedom of our institutions to transmit our values is certainly central to to the goal of, of our religious liberty work. Well, our guest today has been Dr. Gregory Seltz, the leader of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. We're very happy to welcome you not only to Freedom's Ring, but to the very important work of protecting religious freedom. It's been great to be with you. And as we close, remember at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers, especially, suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. Be sure to listen to Freedom's Ring on our SoundCloud radio station or on iTunes. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinox. Until next week, let freedom ring. Attorney Alan Runner